When I agreed to do this through Kyle, Blaine was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is not anything like I like to do. He does not like to get up in front of a crowd. Um, I always kind of no, start... I, I don't like it's on a tee box. Yeah, yeah like that's true. The crowd, but speaking a lot of this stuff, it, yeah, it's not... It's not. Yeah, it's not really. And I guess because I was not raised in a Christian home, and I saw Blaine's mother, and she changed my life forever. I always tell her when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell them that Julie sent me. I feel very passionate about, especially, you know, zero to five kids. And so that's where I like to really hang my hat, is here just trying to encourage moms and Basically just saying, you know, when you get on that icy bridge, I'm the one waving going, don't go this way. But because either I went that way and it wasn't good, or I just see how God has worked in my life. I was raised in a church going home. I checked the box. And as a result, I see my brother and sister struggling and and really lost. And I look at Blaine's family, who's so close-knit and so loving and so encouraging. And just I, I always just think... You know, look at your dad's family. Don't look at your mom's. And, I mean, my kids are very honest. They say, you know, when we go to Love and Darmy, he's just like, Mom, I just don't feel comfortable there. And as, so, uh, as comfortable. I mean, they, they love my parents. They, they have a sweet relationship with them, and they love them. But I just, I just knew I wanted something more for my kids. And so I was willing to do whatever it took. And it came on the heels of just really praying a prayer when I heard a sermon that said, What would your epitaph say? And I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to say I'm materialistic. It's going to say that I am judgmental. It's going to say, and I just said, I can't change myself, but I know somebody that can. And so Lord just work in my heart. And so he's done just that over the years. And, I mean, it's like being on a marathon, and I'm just to the first water station. But I'm, you know, excited to keep going and as I grow and learn, and I see other families that are investing in Christ. And as he invests in our life, I'm just so encouraged. So when I, when I teach my younger moms, I always talk about, you know, we have this mindset of the terrible twos, and the, but they should be the terrific twos. And so I think that same thing. There's just two really seasons in your kid's life that you really have this, the twos and the teenagers. I mean, those are the ones. You don't really hear about that area in between there. But those two come with a, you know, clear... Uh, just A lot of times you can just see that mindset of either survival fear and dread, or you can look at it as opportunity. And I think really with the teens, I mean, as in any stage, I didn't know that Blaine and I would even be equipped to even teach this class when Kyle asked us. But I thought, you know, I, I told Blaine, I said, I, I did say yes to Kyle only because I see what a wonderful job you have done with Sally. I mean, just the way you have loved her. But I think when you, and we'll get to all that later, but when you're planning for the teen season, as with any season in your kid's life, you've got to have a plan. You've got to sit down, and I said the P in the plan is preparation and prayer. You really have got to know God's Word. The goal in knowing God's Word is not really, you know, just to get all this information. It's mainly allow God to do a transformation in your heart. To know Him is to love Him, and there's a conviction there. And I really think when I... um, it's, you know, you really have to... I'm going to let you hand this out, one. When you uh, look at Scripture, and it says all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, you realize that, I mean, everything we need to equip us as parents is in the Bible. I know Blaine came home one day and he had had lunch with a friend, and he was, like, talking about um, his friend had been in church that weekend and they said you know here you now you hear all this stuff about Ritalin and all this stuff and years ago you didn't hear that and he said but the, the pastor was saying here is your medicine 
You know, it's holding up the Bible. And it's so true. I mean, all the things that we're struggling with, we're rushing over here to fix this and we're rushing over here. But we're not looking at really what is going on in the heart of a child. And so scripture is, I mean, the Word of God is living and active. It's powerful and effective. In some, you know, translations it says that. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And so it just penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I would just encourage y'all that it starts with you. And it starts with your relationship with the Lord. You cannot give away what you don't have. God wants us to grow first. Just like when Jesus uh, had the disciples and they fed the 4,000 or 5,000, Jesus said, go get the guys organized, go get everybody organized. And then come to me and get your baskets full and then go out and feed the 5,000. And they, they were like, we can't do that. We only have you know, so many loaves and fishes. And he was like, trust me, we are going to get this done. And sure enough, they would go and get their baskets refilled. And at the end of the day, they had more than enough. And guys, if you were operating out of an empty basket on any given day with your family, it is not pretty. And, and how many times, I mean, it starts with us. We've got to get our baskets full. And we know where to do that. We've got to go to the Lord. And it just, you know, unless the Lord, in Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, it's builders labor in vain. Also, I know this year I did a BSF study on Moses and with the Israelites. And it was so interesting to me. It really dawned on me as, you know, Jesus was talking about um, or they were talking about how they didn't have anything to eat and the Israelites were grumbling and arguing and you know all that kind of stuff and they were hungry and they were tired and they were and then all of a sudden God said I'm going to rain down manna only take enough for one day you know that it was talking to greed how we want to just get all we can and he said and what happened as a result of that any extra spoils there were maggots in it uh, and so the, the, what was the lesson there to the Israelites? Only take what you need. But that sent a message to me is every day we've got to go out and get our, our little manna. We've got to get it. And it's plentiful. I think as long as we uh, just kind of have that hunger for it and we just humble ourselves before the Lord and say, you know what, I don't know where to go, but just, you know, fill my heart. Give me something today. Send a you know, divine appointment. You know, somehow... Fill me up and just, you know, send what I'm going to need for today. Um, I was really moved way back when Sally was born 16 years ago about Deuteronomy. And where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Can I tell them, you know, we have a 16-year-old little girl who is going to be a junior at Lake Highlands High School. She's the oldest of three kids. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we should. No, no, I kind of sure some, but no, okay. that's good. And then, right. we have a, and then we have also have a 9-year-old little girl and a 12-year-old son. Right. But I just, I look at Deuteronomy, and I look so much. I mean, it says love, it says impress, it says talk about, walk along when you lie down, tie them as symbols. Guys, you're not sitting in a chair with your feet on the ottoman. There's action there. You've got to get up and get moving. You've got to do things. You've got to do your part if you want to experience, you know, really with the Lord. Write them on the door frames of your houses on the gate. I started picking out scripture, and I literally had a lady come and paint it on my door frame. I mean, I wanted to, and if you look at the back table, if I see a scripture I like, and it's something that speaks to me right now in my parenting, I'll get on the computer and type it out and print it, and I'll frame it. Because I know it's something that I want to constantly be, you know, meditating on, or just, and it's amazing, you know, the, the one back there says, let your no be no and your yes be yes. It's James 5.12. And so when I say no to my kids, I think that's what's Trisha's, and I kept it there because it was, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And, and Trisha's discipline 
class were building blocks. She came and I always try to get one scripture and I print them for all the ladies in the room so that they can take them home and do that very thing. Because I'm telling you, it's really empowered me about my no be no, my yes be yes, be consistent. So I love that. Talking about Deuteronomy, I thought what uh, Trisha's husband, Kyle, mentioned earlier about having, you know, he wished he had this when he was younger about talking through the scripture when you're sitting down at dinner, when you're driving, you know, uh, when you're laying down at night. I mean, I, I kind of like how they kind of put that in those four little areas. I mean, it's so simple. You just, you know, and you just start thinking about that and you can really start, you know, uh, you know, talking to your teenager, girl, boy, whomever, and, uh, and really working through the scripture at times and, uh, I just thought that was good. I like that. Yeah, it, it, that, that, I think that's a core uh, key verse just for parenting. And then also it just talks about in First Chronicles about serving him with a wholehearted devotion, a willing mind. I mean, you know, there's action there. We just have got to get And you're sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know where to even look in the Bible. I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, I just got a Bible. I mean, if you're feeling that way, I mean, there are so many opportunities. Start little. Join the journey. Um, you know, uh, turn your 100.7, James Dodson, when you're going here or there during the day, even if you're just driving to work or driving home, there's so many things. 90.9. Uh, oh, he does. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, so, it's so, you know, join the journey. Just surround yourself with community. Get plugged in so that people can love on you and walk through. Because in Proverbs 15:22, it talks all about you can have a plan, but your plan will fail if you're not, there's lack of counsel. I mean, these are God's kids. He entrusted them to you. He knows you're up for the task. But you've got to do your part. You've got to say to him, I am ready. I am, you know, I'm going to be ready and available. Um, one of my favorite, Psalm 119 is really one of my favorite. It just says how to live and be happy according to God's laws. It really keeps us anchored. If you just, that is the longest book in the Bible and it is right in the middle if you just open up your Bible. But I love verse 18. If you don't know where to look, just humble yourself and say, Open my eyes, Lord, so that I may see the wonderful things in your law. It is amazing how you will find a nugget. If you just say, you know what, I don't know where to look, you find it for me. And it's amazing how God is just so faithful. Yeah, um, yeah sure. Um, I, for those of y'all that don't know, I'm on staff at Watermark in um, student ministry. And one of the things I do a lot is counsel kids and families. And a lot of times I'll get um, families that have high school kids, uh, high school kids and parents that are, this is their first thing, first time with high schoolers and, oh my gosh, what do I do? And you're overwhelming me and is it too late? And everything that Millie's saying is so great. And I just, some of you may be in here going, dang it, I don't, I haven't talked to my kids about scripture. Oh no, you know, what do I do? And I've got to catch up and it's never too late. It's never too late. Um, it's a great thing to start if you haven't and to let it go if you haven't and to go forward um, starting today you know and if you don't know how there will be resources and people that will be able to hear that will be able to help you do that um, and in our children's ministry as well our student ministry as well so well have you ever had to reboot your computer well reboot I mean, you just restart. I mean, it's never too late. I mean, I would just, that's what I would always kind of say. You know, it's not too late. There are days where I just say, stop the insanity. I mean, I just going on and on. And finally, you know, one of my girls or son will say, Mom, you're just not yourself today. And so it's never too late, I mean, you know, for you to just, you know, start over. And that's the thing is when you, Todd always says, when you read through the scripture, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on. 
um, you know, you've got to read it. You've got to own it. you just really got to let it, you know, meditate in your heart and then just pass it on. Um, there's head knowledge versus heart knowledge. I'll just go over that real quick. When you go to school, you go to get smart. But when you go to the Bible, it talks a ton about wisdom. And so that's what we really want. I mean, it's just to, to allow the Lord to, to just make us wise. And He will do that. If your heart's got the right attitude, He will. You'll just, you'll just have certain things that you just handle so much differently. And, you know, you'll just be living out Scripture and you just are thinking, oh my gosh, I, you just know you can't do that on your own. It's got to be the power of the Lord. Um, some of our best prayers, I think, you know, I always think the Bible, is. I've heard this before, is God's love letter to us and prayer is our love letter to Him. We've got to take everything to the Lord in prayer. I, I've gotten to the point now where I won't give an answer on something. I won't let my, you know, my children, you know, really, if they've got a big decision coming up, if I haven't prayed about it, then I really, you know, we, we're trying to decide about where to put our daughter next year. We've been do, trying, we've been praying about it actively all year. And I did not want to make that decision. We should have made probably that decision last year to move her, but I said, I haven't prayed about it. I don't feel comfortable making a decision unless I've prayed about it and I get some sort of direction. And that just comes from building your relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit. I mean, when you talk about Galatians 5.22, who wouldn't want all those? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, that is not the fruits of the Spirit. You don't need to pray for patience. You get that whole cluster of everything all in one. It's a fruit, and so you get everything. I think not only should you pray for your children, but pray with your children. I mean, I know that my 9-year-old is much better about that than my 16-year-old, only about just saying, Mom, when she knows when her heart is cloudy, she's like, will you just pray with me? And I say, absolutely. And so I'll sit there and just take her little hands and pray with her about something. But I've grown. I wasn't there when my 16-year-old, I wasn't, I didn't recognize that. Really, I learned that when my son was three and we went through a difficult time. I learned that praying with him at the beginning of every day, I prayed for him, but praying with him, I saw changed behavior. And I mean, guys, pray for wisdom, safety, opportunities, spouses, future spouses, role models, direction, strength, praises, uh, leadership, struggles, all those things. And I find really, when I feel like I'm in the middle of a hurricane sometimes, it's really good to get in the eye. But in Isaiah 30:21, it talks about your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. If you really want to know God's direction, just listen for him to talk to you because he is so faithful about that. Um, you know, parenting is the highest calling. And like I said earlier, God would not have enlisted y'all if he didn't know that you were up for the task. And it's about molding character, building confidence, nurturing, training, and guiding all toward righteousness. And, you know, teamwork, my husband's like, don't put that about the skateboard. But I was like, you've got to be, you got to be together. You've got to be, it can't be, you know, can I go to the mall? Um, no. And then they run to dad. Can I go to the mall? And he's like, sure, go ahead and go. I mean, you know, Blaine and I are pretty good about saying, have you asked your dad? You know, making sure. You've got to be we'll on the same sure. page. Yeah, we're both kind of thinking the same thing. Right, right. right. And just making sure. Um, the greatest gift you will ever do is love your spouse. I probably think that's the thing I struggle with the most. Not loving him. But, <laughs> but I think just priority. Here we go. It's all downhill. On the skateboard. <laughs> just roared yeah. off. I think just really, though, in our marriage, I have grown in that department, but with communication, you've got to prioritize that, and I think that's where Blaine and I have really, we are actively growing in that, about communicating 
and it's it's really eliminated a lot of you know power struggles. I mean, Blaine is non-confrontational kind of. He's like he's always in a good mood, which is just so you know frustrating and our daughter's pretty much like him but I mean that's good but I'm thinking I'm kind of you know my yoke is getting easier <laughs> let's just put that because of the Lord <laughs> so okay. I think you know I talked to a girl my son's a huge golfer and so I get a lot of opportunity last year to you know be out on the golf course with him and I used to you know caddy for him last year now I don't have to do that I just granny dump him at the course but when I caddy I'd always see this one dad just so powerful and everything. I just thought, oh, the relationship, you know, you could just tell it was like if the son was in trouble, he'd say, well, you carry your own bag. And the guy was just throwing clubs and hitting. And so it was just so, I was just so looking at that. Well, one day the mother showed up instead. And so she just, I don't know, she just felt like she could just unload on, you know, just kind of unload all the things that were going on. And I was kind of putting, I was seeing a bigger, you know, the first one man is right until the second comes to plead his case. So I was really seeing a different side of why, this little boy was like he was because I could tell that she was in BSF and she was trying to do her best but she was so resentful that her husband the way he was and he was not leading their family well and he was really not active in church so he was taking them to church but he wasn't really leading the family and I finally I just felt so compelled to go home and write her an email and I was just like you know Michelle I'm just going to really be praying for you you be who God has called you to be don't allow your husband to rob you of your joy in the Lord. Because that resentment, that wasn't going to change the big picture. She needed to pray for her husband. She needed to be who he had called her to be. And I knew her husband, he is a partner with a Watermark family, and I knew that, you know, he was getting a good example at work. And I thought, you know, if he can see Christ in her, then he might be so much more apt to, you know, want to be. But if he's if she's going to Bible study and then coming home and kind of buying into, you know, all the stuff that he's, you know, not leading his family and not doing this, you know, God has to do that work. We can't. So even if you're just one person on that journey, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord that he will, you know, do the did you have something? I did. I wanted to add to that. I if I ever get to be in front of parents, um, one of the things that I always want to say to you guys is in not 100% of the time, I have to give that little caveat, but most of the time when I am seeing kids because there's just, oh my gosh, you've got to help me, my kids having lots of problems and I need you to, and when I sit down and talk to them 90% of the time, it's what's going on at home. It's what's going on between mom and dad that is affecting what's happening in this child's life. And so what I always say, I'm like, gosh, if I could just come up with a banner that I could give parents (laughs) when kids are little, this would be it. And it's, if you are well, your kids more than likely are going to be well. If you deal with your stuff and you treat each other like Christ wants you to treat each other, then that's going to have a great impact on your kids also. Now, granted, not that's not 100% fail-proof. There are kids where that that's not the case, where they just struggle. But like even as with I think about single parents, you know, we've got a lot of single parents, and I'm like, it's okay. If if you are really pursuing Christ, that's going to be the best model for your child. Does that mean your child's going to be perfect and make the wisest choices because she she or he is from a a broken home? No, but that's the best gift you can give your kids. 
Sorry. My no, no, no. I mean, yeah. I agree. You know, when you think about that triangle and you think about mom, dad, you know, or, or husband and wife or whatever, and, and at the point is God. I mean, I was thinking the other day, you know, really when you have either, either even in the home, but even in a divorce situation, it almost seems like that triangle, when God disappears, then it becomes the child as being the pawn. And it's almost like a tug of war, you know, because this parents, you know, they're, they're battling each other, but they're not doing what really is right for the child. So if you'll keep your eyes on the Lord and kind of a vertical, you know, looking up and just really allowing God to work in your heart and just not allowing, you know, that resentment to build in your heart. And we'll talk more about that in just a little bit about the heart because I think that's a huge issue. I think over the years I've really noticed different parenting styles. So these are kind of my own little take take on them. But I think there's the all there there is the all it's all about my agenda parent, and that's just the one that's just too busy to care. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't go, but I've got this. You know, I've got a golf game, or I've got this going on, or this at work, and this is. And I think when you continually send that message to your children, then they suddenly just become like, you know what? kind of not, they just kind of become, I'm going to self-protective. Like, well, I'm not going to ask Dad to come because I don't want to, you know, he's busy and he's trying to make a living and, you know, or, you know, if your kids say, Dad, come out and do this with me or Mom, come out and your feet are on the ottoman. You're like, no, 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 I'm watching this, but I'll be out there in a minute. That's sending a message. When, when I was, you know, talking to moms with young kids, I always said, when you turn around and look at your child, look at them right in the eye for five seconds if they've asked you to do something. And that usually changes your heart with, you know what, dinner can wait. I'll go in there and do whatever he needs to do or she needs me to do. Because really, you know, guys, we don't really, we don't have that much time. And certainly when you've got 17-year-olds and that kind of stuff. But, you know, our kids, the faces we give them tell so much. I mean, when our kids walk through the door, we need to light up like we are so excited to see them. Like we've just been like, what is going on? You know, our faces tell a great story. I mean, I think about the lady that's, in the, you know, uh, at Macy's or whatever, you can tell by her face whether she wants to help you or not. I, you know, what, what do you need? You know, and you can tell. She, do you have a willing, helpful face, or do you have one of those that just says, you know, I'm sorry, but I've got my agenda and I just don't have time for you. Now, the BFF parent is the one that has all the, you know, text, all the cell phones of their friend's kids, and if the if a boy breaks up, I mean, I, I'm appalled at what I see sometimes when these moms if, if the boy breaks up with her, she calls him or texts him. What, what happened? What, you know, what'd you do? And it's, it amazes me that these parents are getting that intimate with, but it happens. I'm telling you, being a parent, I'm sure some of you that have the 17-year-old, and then the perfect parent, I think that parent is just so afraid that their kids are going to make them look bad, that they're not going to take the season with opportunity. Um, the pressure cooker parent is the one that's just got that success illusion down there. Their kids have to be the smartest. They have to be the fastest. They have to be the prettiest. They have to be the best connected, the most popular, the best dressed. And I tell you, I struggle with that all the time. I, can, I mean, I've got several really good friends that that's the way they run their operation. And it's just like, whoa. I mean, it's so easy to get, and, you know, volleyball, I know we, we've kind of gone through that, the uh, Bowens, but... It's so easy to get sucked into that. But, you know, I always try to keep that I'm keeping an eternal, eternal perspective parent. Is this really going to matter if my daughter makes varsity or JV? Is this really going to matter? Um, you know, my daughter tried out for volleyball this week, and uh, we go to family camp at T-Bar M every 
every um, August, and uh, last year we were thinking this is going to be our last year because volleyball, I mean, Sally was going to have to come back, be on JV, which she, she was going to be on JV anyway, and push towel. She was going to get... So we went, and we decided last year we weren't going to go back. And so then by the end of the week, we were thinking, oh, my gosh, it's the best thing for our family. And so, you know, we were kind of like, oh, who's in? You know, so the Wagner said they were going back, so we said we were going back. And we knew that we didn't know what lied ahead for this year, but we thought, whoa, that could really be backing us in a corner. So we really thought that the best thing was for Sally to be on JV again. Well, so she tried out, and she made JV with two other juniors, and immediately they quit. So, it, yeah, the two other juniors quit. And so, sadly, all her friends made varsity, which, in, the, in essence, you know, it seemed like, well, hey, you know, that's what we really prayed about, and that was okay, you know, that they made varsity. But I could tell Sally kind of in the tone of her voice, you could tell she had kind of a, you know, I was trying to be sensitive because I could tell she had a lump in her throat. And I know, and she loved the coach on JV, so she was all excited about that. So, um it's just, you know, so when I'm sitting outside and she had gone in to find out what she made, she, this one coach came up and said, oh, Sally Hale is my, she goes, I just told the coach, coach Christman, Sally Hale is my favorite. She's my favorite. She's just always at beach. She's always this. And then this other coach walked by and she goes, Coach Grace, come here. She said, this is Sally Hale's mom. She's like, oh, my gosh, I love Sally. She's got the best attitude and blah, blah, blah. So Sally gets in. She goes, well, and they're already gone. The coaches are gone. She goes, well, I made, bar, uh, I made JV. And I said, no, you didn't. You made varsity. I said, I just talked to these coaches, and you should have heard them, the, them bragging on you. And Sally just talking about, you know, I always tell my kids people, and they always say, notice. I'm like, they noticed. They noticed about your character. That's an eternal perspective. You made varsity. I said, I don't care about the JV. I mean, Sassy, that's what you wanted. You're gonna, and she said, Mom, oh, I'm excited. I love that. I've gotten to know those younger girls. And so this time she didn't know those other two juniors quit. So by the end of the night, she found out that she was standing alone. But anyway, so we went on, and it's been a tough week because a lot of stuff has transpired that I'll tell you about later. But it's been one of those things, raise your children for true greatness. The things that I heard from those two ladies, those two coaches, that was true greatness. Whether she was going to be out on the varsity court or the JV court, that really didn't matter. It it really, I think the sports arena today, parents ruin everything for their kids. I mean, I have confronted moms in ninth grade. I, I'm appalled. And I just said, you know what? I said, my daughter can't help but hear you yell. Set the ball. Set the ball. She goes, well, I'm sorry. My pet peeve is setters, and, uh, and I'm competitive. And I said, well, you know what? These are 14-year-old girls. And I'm going to tell you, you tell your daughter if she hears my voice, I'm going to be looking for everything she's doing right, not the one thing she's doing wrong. Because I said, a 14-year-old girl needs a lot more out of girls then they need to be ripped apart. Now, her daughter was the one that quit. So that tells you about the difference in, you know, in the way we, you know, raise our kids. But anyways, I think the kids, you know, I've heard Dr. Phil say this of all people, but he says they come here with a clean slate. Dr. And, Phil. Yeah, Dr. Phil. But, he, yeah, every once in a while a squirrel gets a nut. I mean, I <laughs> But he says they come here with a clean slate. What are you writing on your child's slate? What are, the, what are they doing right now? Because I'm telling you, we in our homes are leaving three legacies. In Ecclesiastes it says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. We're leaving a spiritual, we're leaving an emotional, and we're leaving a social. And, I mean, guys, when you have an opportunity to talk to your girls, Listen with your eyes. I mean, like I said earlier, light up. You learn very little when you're talking. Their eyes are wide open, and most behavior is caught, not taught. 
I had on that thing those questions that I had for y'all at the beginning of the deal. I just want y'all to read through those. We had fun this week really going through those questions and thinking, you know, if, if I knew that my children were the only Bible, that I was the only Bible they were ever going to read, how am I doing at conveying that? If I knew they were never going to pick up Scripture and it was going to come all from Blaine and I, how am I doing? And I think just some of those questions, I mean, you know, answer those questions today and keep that sheet of paper and answer them again in six months. I mean, are you going on the right track? I mean, because that's all God asks for is just for your heart to be willing to, to go. I say learn. You know, be a student of your children. Don't make them. You know, one thing that makes me so just happy about Blaine and how he loved on our girls and our son is that Blaine loves golf. And it just so happens that our son came out with a passion for golf like nobody's business. Where our daughter, she likes to be involved in sports because she just loves the camaraderie. She and likes the social yeah, she likes the social. But Blaine is intense, and he gets out there. And I always tell my husband, "Thank you for not buying into that." Blaine takes him to golf tournaments and all that, but he doesn't put any more, any more, you know, investment in him than he does in our girls. And so Blaine has been so good about being a student of our children and figuring out who God made them, not trying to make, you know, I mean, Sally's five, ten and a half. She should have any position on that volleyball team that she wants, on varsity or wherever. But she's always known that it didn't matter to us. If that was her jo- if that was her passion and her love, hey, what do we need to do? But if it wasn't, you know, hey, we'll, we'll do things for you. We've always said, you know, no travel teams. That's a big thing for our family. I mean, we just felt like that wasn't in the best interest of our family. We were happy for her to be on a local team, which meant that that was a third team or a fourth team, but that was okay. I mean, Sally always got to be the leader, and I see now where that has really prepared her for the position she is now. Um, I think we both you know, play a huge role, but I really think I'm going to let Blaine talk about the daddy and his daughter because I think the daddy and his daughter at this stage, there's no substitute. I mean... Yeah, it's over to you. Well, you know, kind of like what you talked about earlier. I mean, obviously, I don't know who all has daughters here. I guess everybody is in this room, most likely, right? So, um, you know, but it starts at that early age. I mean, you know, I used to love to go out with Sally when she was, you know, 18 months, two, three. We'd go out to dinner, just the two of us, go out to breakfast. I mean, just, I love being with her, love hanging out with her. And, uh, Throw it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I, 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 the point is, I still do. And even though she is a teenager now, and even though she's 16, and she's got more stuff going on and more friends going on, I mean, I make it a point to find time to just pick her up from school, and then we go and take her and get something to eat or something. And it's just, uh, I can't press on it. And, and I hope all y'all are doing it because I know you know you love your children, you love your daughters. But just how important that is, is to have that relationship with them and to love them and to let them know you love them is, uh, it's huge. And it really is. And I, don't, and I don't do it, you know, I feel like I do it a lot, but I could even do it more at times. So, you know, you see. I, I just, this is a, a major passion of mine with dads. Um, as a girl who grew up without my father in my life and the effects that that had, and then the girls that I see in my office, I'm sad to say, often it's related to the relationship or lack of relationship with their dad. 
And I actually, the sweet family, I don't know what we've got in the room. I know some of you have junior high girls. Some of you may have high school girls. And so I'm going to speak to, try to speak to the whole group. Um, but, you know, recently I had a family come to me that had a junior high girl, and she was really struggling with her weight and, you know, social circle and all of these things. And please help us and help us help our daughter. And I said, great, let's come in. And, and she starts telling me about some things that Dad had said to her about food totally unintentionally. I mean, he was just like, do you know how many calories are in that? He wasn't even thinking. He was just like, I just don't think she knows, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you can't say that. <laughs> and and what I, I looked at him and I just said, you know, okay, you just grip your chair for a second for what I'm about to say. And he just was like, okay. And I said, you are the most important role in your daughter's life. She, from early on until she graduates, is going to see her identity from you. That's where she learns about who she is and what makes her worthy. It's through her daddy. She's going to model mom's behavior. And she's going to follow what mom does. Again, I say this most of the time. Um, But man, it's a girl, in a girl's life, Dad is the just most critical role. He can wreck her life, or he can be the greatest gift in her life. And I know he just looked at me, and his eyes were like, oh, crap. And he was like, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to put that pressure on you. But it's the way God designed it, and it's the greatest thing. And, and I said, I, have, I think you are up for it. I mean, I see a godly man who loves his daughter and is here going, help me love my daughter. And so I'm encouraged by that. I think you'll be fine. And he was like, okay, I can do this, you know. But, I I mean, like, again, that's another one of my soapboxes. It's so important, like you said, and it's it's fun. You love your daughters. I mean, I love being with her. I love hanging out with her and talking to her about all kinds of stuff and just goofing off. I mean, it's not like it's... You know, hard work. I mean, it's, you know, I, again, I wish I could do it more times. You know, it's funny. When Sally started junior high, you, you have to know our daughter. She's just, she's the one that never has on makeup, never has gotten her ears pierced, never, no, not because we don't, you know, we would be fine with that. But I'm going to tell that story real quick. Well, I, I don't know if she, I don't know if she took it or not, but one time we were talking about, you know, all the piercings and tattoos and all this stuff, and I remember talking to her one time, and I said, Sally, said, you want to be really different? Never get anything pierced. I mean, don't get your ears pierced. And she had to this day. I don't know if that's... And when she was 13, I said, you, to, you can get your ears pierced now. And she goes, nah, I don't really feel like it. Yeah, I don't really want to. But it's so funny. about the influence yeah. Well, in seventh grade, it's so funny because she was going to the first junior high dance. So she had been in private school. She went first junior high dance. So the friend of mine, kind of the pressure cooker parent, call, I called and said, we're just going to have to meet y'all there. We just, uh, you know, she doesn't know if she's going to wear the leggings or this. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I, was, I looked at Sally and said, what are you wearing today? And she goes, oh, I don't know. I thought I'd wear this. I go, you wore that to school. And I just high-fived her and I said, and that is exactly what I love about you. She didn't feel any pretense for having to put anything on. And I... Yeah, no, I said, well, change shirts. We'll deodorant, you know, whatever it takes. But I love that because Blaine has just poured into her, and I love coming down at the end of the evening or the next morning and seeing two Sonic cups that have just been left behind. Because I know these guys have gone out for an 11 or 11.30 Sonic run. I mean, I know what they've done. And I just see Blaine just doing that so naturally. I mean, just loving on her. And I know that, you know, at night, Blaine is in charge of lunches. 
Thank you. And uh, so he's down there making the lunches, and I like to go to bed early. It's a great deal. Um, you know, it's a great deal when your kids get in the car and go, well, I had a soggy sandwich, and I had this. I'm like, talk to the lunchroom staff. That would not be me anymore because Blaine, because, you know, our son was, is dyslexic, so I kind of took over that duty. But um, anyway, so, I mean, it's just, I think it's just so great that Blaine's just done such a good job of just loving on her and being intentional about it. I mean, you know, it doesn't come natural. Um, but I always say, you know, I, I saw this quote somewhere. It said, if you put the same amount of time into your daughter that you put into work, would you still be financially sound? I mean, would you still have the same bank account that you have now? I mean, take that time. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, I love that about Blaine. If I need him to do something for the kids, I, I'm surprised he even has a job sometimes. Because, I mean, he will bust home. I'm thinking, do you ever have to work? I mean, you know, it's just so funny how he does that. But get your priorities straight. Um, because I'm telling you, girls, I've noticed that Sally has one of her best friends. It's funny. I've been working through this and praying about it. And this little girl that we've loved on since three, her dad has been unavailable for her. And I just picked up the phone my son and called him. And he called me back and said, I'm in the neighborhood. And he said, I'm coming by. And I thought, I felt like Todd did. I thought, I've got this to do. But I thought, and so he stayed last night till 12, 12 o'clock. And I ran up, Blaine was in the shower, I was like, get out, so-and-so's coming over. And I mean, and he was like, what? And I go, I don't know, I just felt the urge to call him, and now he's coming. But it worked out good. It we worked through, out great. We went through a lot of this stuff. It was almost like God had almost prepared both our of hearts. us and our hearts to talk to him, and he was very receptive. He was approachable. He and was then Sally came in later and had been with her, and it was, anyway. It was, yeah, it was good. It was we great. We all that. Yeah. But, I mean, I just say, you know, it just is one of the things. Okay, Proverbs Mother, I mean, you know, all I can say about what we do is we've got to be diligent. I mean, I love, one of my favorite verses is she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Guys, if you're not connecting with the Lord and praying for that wisdom, it can't be, and you just like God talks about discipline and instruction, rod and reproof, you can't have the discipline unless you have, you've got to have the why behind the rule. Whatever it is, you've got to be able to tell them why you feel that way and explain it to them. Point them back to Scripture every time. And so you've got to be connected with the Lord. Don't be afraid for teachable moments. I mean, you've got to teach your children how to, how to think like a Christian by asking probing questions, always in the reproof. When something goes on, I remember one time, Sally, this year, I just felt this weird deal that she had lied to us. So I called, and sure enough, I said, who are you with? And she goes, oh, I'm with Jesse. I said, really? Let me talk to Jesse. She said, uh, okay. She puts the phone down forever. Well, they're in the car. So I know, you know, hello, you just hand it over. And so a minute later, this little girl, and I'm good friends with Jesse. I mean, you know, I know her well. I mean, she's been in our so, home. It was so it weak. It was so weak. And so she goes, hello. And she would have gone on, hi, Miss Hale. But she goes, hello. And I said, Jesse. And she goes, yes. And I said, um, put Sally Hale back on the phone. I didn't even know if she knew her last name. I mean, it didn't even sound like anybody I knew. So I said, where are you right now? And she said, I'm at Leanne's house. I said, well, now you're on the front porch at Leanne's house. Your dad is on his way. So I'm, I said, Blaine, she has lied to us. So, so Blaine goes roaring over she there. And on the phone, I told Blaine, 
we got a stick. What are we going to do? And he's like, well, we're going to ground her. And I said, okay, how long? He said, I don't know, two weeks. I said, okay, two weeks sounds good to me. And I said, but I'm telling you, for the next two weeks, it is Operation Love on Sally. Because for her to even have that information, you know, that desire or that just, for her to so flippantly lie, I thought, we got it. Sally's never been our squeaky wheel. So, you know, I have to pray about oiling her. She's one of those that she just does not cry out for, you know, discipline and stuff. So it was operation. So, I mean, the next morning, Blaine was working at church at 530. So I got up and went to church with Sally, and I was just loving on her. And Blaine and I, just the whole week, we just intentionally... Well, Well, first of all, she was not only granted, but she also could be on the computer. She couldn't have her cell phone. Yeah. I mean, so she was like, had none of her little devices. Yeah. So she just had us. So I sat by her on the couch. I crawled in bed with her in the morning. I just, I just did things just to love on her. And Blaine was so good about it too. We intentionally we had family dinners. We played games. She was so filled up. It's almost like she didn't even miss it. That two weeks later on Friday morning, she said, "Hey, mom, by the way, do I get my phone back this morning or tonight?" I said, I don't know, ask your dad. She came back downstairs and said, what are you saying? She said, tonight. I said, okay, well, that's good. So I just thought, you know what, this was a kid that knew we were going to stand firm. Let your no be no and your yes be yes. She knew. And she was getting so, she kind of liked being around us. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, my parents aren't so bad. But anyway, so I just think that, you know, when you send, you know, love is a huge thing. And you've got to, it's got to be unconditional. It can't be if they're the star on the volleyball court. It can't be if they made a C in English. It can't be, it's got to be unconditional. You've got to send that message to them at all times. Because I'm telling you what, they are dealing with a ton of stuff. I love the first thing we went to, they were talking about you know, all the things. It's just changed. Our culture has just changed. I mean, they are dealing with, their worlds are suddenly widening. I mean, now you've got friends, you know, with cars and curfews and dating, and you're trying to build a resume. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. They're texting. You know, and you've got to be impressed upon them that it's better to stand alone and stand for what is right. Or it's better to stand for what is right and stand alone than to really go with the crowd. Um, You know, impress upon your children that, you know, if you're on a chair and someone's constantly pulling down on you and you're trying to pull them up on the chair... The chances of them pulling you off the chair is a lot better. And friends, I mean, birds of a feather flock together. They just do. And I think it's like a mirror. When you look in that mirror, you're a reflection of who your friends are. And that's just the way it is. And so just, you know, those low-tide moments, talk about friendships. The other day, Sally went to go get her license, and we had messed up. I have never heard of this before in my life. But she had to tack on another two-month ordeal. Well, it was devastating. And so right in front of the policeman, we had talked to the trooper and all this, and they were just not budging. So I was like, this sucks. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I was just so shocked. And then Gracie's holding Sally's cell phone, and an in, incoming message, and she looks at it, and Gracie goes, Mom. Well, one of her really good friends cuss words, like three or four. And I was like, and so I was so focused in on this, I didn't care if she ever got her license. So it was just, it was one of those things. And so I... Ended up, I kind of confronted the girl yesterday. Sally goes, Mom, please don't say anything to her. I said, no, Sally, this is the second offense. And, you know, she is called to be an example. She has a younger sister, and I'm going to say something. And I was so disappointed the way she handled it. I said, you know, I love you so much, and that's why I'm coming to you about this. There would be friends that I would just tell Sally no more texting that friend and no more associating with them. 
But I said, you're so, you've got such an opportunity to minister to Gracie, and then you've got your sister. And she just like, oh, you wanted to talk to me about that. Okay, okay. She never said she was sorry. And so that was great for me to be able to go back to Sally and say, Sally, that disappoints me. If anyone ever calls you on something like that, you better humble yourself and recognize, because our kids are going to do things like that. But the language, Sally goes, Mom, I have never talked like that. And, and Sally does. She pretty much types out every word. You know, most of them say you are or whatever. Sally just texts out every word. But it's amazing to me how this all stuff, this has just gotten to be, I mean, their worlds, I'm shocked with all the movies and all that kind of stuff. And we'll talk about that later, how they're just getting bombarded. But impress upon your kids, it's okay to be different too. I think the teenage insecurity is like the hugest thing to talk about. Um, I always ask, what's going on in your four walls? When you really define, and that's one of the questions on that thing, really reflect back and really, is your home a safe place to fall? Do your, right by my front door, it's, it, I've got a sign that I had a friend paint for me, and it's because I knew a patient of mine, I'm a dental hygienist, and I knew this family, and they were such neat kids, and I was like, what do you do? And they said, well, well you know, they didn't say this was the only reason, but they had a sign by their front door, and it said, return with honor. And it just kind of meant whatever you do out there, make sure when you come back here you can hold your head high because you're out there representing our family. And so I just have that pain of our front door just so that they'll remember. I mean, I want our home to be a refueling station, a place where they come home. I mean, Sally walks in the door and she's like, greetings, or she'll say, bueno. You know, she's always happy when she comes home. She knows when she comes home. We're not going to say, you know, get in here, it's time for dinner. It's going to be a place where she's restored and loved on and she feels comfortable coming in <clears throat> because they have so much pressure. I think that we have got to fill up their emotional tanks and make daily deposits. I love to get a great compliment about my kids because at the dinner table we do high-low and I love to say, my high today was I got the greatest compliment about Sally today and then say what it was. Um, because, I, you know, ten girls to one negative it takes to erase that. I love to speak to Sally, intentional deposits, just, you know, get her one of those big things of gum and take the lid off and just put a note on the inside because I know she's got to take it off to peel that off and it just says, I love you, have a great day. Just throw it in her backpack. She doesn't even know it's there. Then she'll look in there, I didn't know I had gum. You know, just things that I think just intentionally speak to her and just say, I love you. Guys, get back to the dinner table. If you don't like to cook, Mariano's has a great round table. We know every waiter there because we go there a lot. I love to cook too, but our kids get refueled at the dinner table. We do table topics. Those are wonderful. If you've ever got table, they're so fun. I love them. Blaine doesn't really, oh, but our kids like them. But they're like, we've done that one. Yeah, we've got to that one. And you know what's really great, and my kids love it, and we kind of introduced it to my mom and dad when we went home about two weeks ago, was Gracie goes, Mom, let's have a pajama run. We were already kind of in our pajamas. Let's have a pajama run. So we kind of yelled out in the house, and everybody goes, pajama run. We all run out to the car, and we go to Brahms or Sonic or something. So my dad, who loves to eat ice cream, was like, pajama run. I mean, every night he was, like, yelling at us, and we were back out the car. My mom was like, your dad doesn't need to eat all that ice cream. But... <laughs> He's probably still, he and my mom are probably doing uh, pajama runs. But, you know, Paul refers to us as a fragrance through which Christ will manifest the sweet aroma of himself. Y'all, the aroma, you know, in, in, the New, in the Old Testament it talks about sacrifices, and it says a ton of times the aromas were pleasing to the Lord. What's the aroma of your home? What's the affection, the respect, the order, the merriment, and the affirmation? Are you doing a good job of 
you know, if they're sitting down, you know, affection. I remember Sally came home from camp years ago, and she was just snippy at everybody and just, you know. And Blaine was like, Sally, we were doing just fine. You know, like Colin was sending that message of, you know, we were, we know fighting was going on. Now you're back home. And I called him on his cell phone. I said, honey, no, wrong answer. Sally is coming back home trying to figure out where she fits in. I said, you come in tonight and you play with her hair, sit beside her on the couch, give her like a, we're so glad you're back. We've, it just hadn't been the same without you. So he did that and it was like restoring her. It was like our Sally's back. You know, she, there she was because she had been restored. And it, you just, you've got to send those messages. Um, Respect is so important sibling to sibling, but it's more important, I mean, uh, parent to child. It's just as important sibling to sibling. Don't allow your kids to treat each other ugly. That's the one thing I love about Blaine's family is Blaine talks to his sister in Amarillo probably three or four times a day. Again, no, 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 not a day. oh, y'all are pecking out emails or no, something. No, 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 no. Okay, they they are really close, and I love that. Order, you know, eliminate a lot of the frustration. You know, get your house in order. I mean, that just eliminates, that creates, you know, if they can't find this for school or that for school, try to find a spot where they can put everything and kind of keep everything in order. It just eliminates a lot of that tension. Merriment, have fun. After that gentleman left last night, we sat in the kitchen. My son's on a, a birthday camp out thing, so he's gone. So it was Gracie, who's nine, Sally, and Blaine and I in the kitchen. We laughed harder. Blaine got a, a, when he came to bed last night, he said, I don't think I've heard Sally laugh that hard in a long time. But they were doing impersonations and doing, and I was giving him the quiz about, let's see how well you know Sally. Well, of course, he got every answer right about what's her favorite color, what's her favorite. And so we were laughing. And then Gracie was like, do me, do me, what's my, you know. And so it was funny because they were just getting so filled up. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to tell them to, okay, we've got to get in bed. I thought, you know what, we went to bed last night at 1.15, all of us. They popped out of bed because their emotional tanks were full when they went to bed. They had had a wonderful evening of laughter and fun when it was all said and done. And, I mean, I just can't tell you how important that is. Catch them doing something right. Look for it. I mean, every day your kids do something right. I don't care if they take out the trash and they have a pep in their step. Say, I love the way you just took out the trash. Thank you for your good attitude or whatever that is. Lighten up and just have fun. I mean, our homes have got to be inviting, intoxicating, and inspiring. The other night, I had a, I, Blaine was out, and I had just dinner with Sally and Grace. And I loved the fact that she, Sally and I just had some good conversation. We ended up sitting there an hour and a half, and Grace was like, I just love that we all sat at the table so long. But I love when Sally was just saying, Mom, you know, she, I said, you know, I've really not, we have not done a good job. One thing I think where Blaine and I are failing is we don't have, Sally doesn't bring a lot of her friends to our home. Now, they would be welcome, but she's like, well, Mom, she was very honest with me. She said, you know, because Gracie and Blaine, I said, you know what? You start bringing them here, and I'll make sure that they don't, you know, in, go into your privacy. I mean, if y'all want to be in the back room and watch a movie or whatever, I'll make that happen. Your dad and I will make that happen. So we've got to do a better job of her feeling comfortable. And already this week, she said... Jake Hornberger and all that crew over. So we're doing better. It's like two or three times they've come over to our home. So we've got to do a better job, I know, for that. Um, one simple message becomes our children's truth, and the, that truth becomes their self-esteem, and that self-esteem governs their entire lives, um, their satisfaction, their success, and their joy. Guys, I love that verse, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I think the insecure teen, just from what I've seen, is always asking, who am I? Who am I? But I see who Sally, Sally knows who she is in Christ. She doesn't feel the need to, 
you know, now there are days because it is an emotional roller coaster for teenagers. But for the most part, Sally feels so secure. And, I, and it's not something that Blaine and I did. I really think that she's had so many people that pour into her through community. Through, I mean, it's amazing the role models she's had, just godly role models that have stepped in and just loved on her. And one day, Gracie got in the car from school, my nine-year-old, and she was like, Katie said that I'm, you know, I don't know, something. And I said, what? And she was, Katie said that I'm, and I said, Gracie, I think that it says in the Bible, what is one, one, Psalm 139, 14? She said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I said, I don't think that's the way God wrote that verse. But let's try that again. She's like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I said, sister, I still don't think. I said, you better dig deeper. So by, you know, driving down Plano Road, it was like, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I said, now we've got it. Now what did Katie say again? Let's go back over that. And so by then she had just forgotten it because she was going to cling to the truth. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. She wasn't going to let somebody tear that down for her. Teenage rebellion. The three C's for parents. Conviction, courage, and consistency. You've got to have that plan in place. You've got to know. Blaine and I had talked about that when he went to go pick up Sally. Two weeks, two weeks. We were both going to stand firm on that. And we didn't budge. And I will tell you, when given the opportunity to parent, guys, parent. It's those little small acts of, you know, that little that little disrespectful roll of the eyes or this. That is coming from a heart of disobedience. You've got to handle every little part of that because it's just so important. Um, if you say they're grounded for the weekend, then they're grounded for the weekend. Be so consistent that your children know exactly what to expect. You've just got to be parents that they can count on. I remember one time we were driving in the car and, and Gracie said, we pulled up at Sonic and, she, and I said, what do y'all want to drink? We always get one drink and share it. And Gracie was like, well, I don't want to share. And I said, okay, that's fine. I said, Blaine, what do you want? And he said, I want a Route 44 strawberry limeade. I said, okay, great. So I said, uh, we need one Route 44 strawberry limeade. Well, Gracie loves strawberries. I said, yeah, could you put extra strawberries in that? And then we need one glass of water with no ice. And so she's kind of sitting there in her chair. So we get up there and I hand her her water with no ice. And Blaine gets his and he was just right on cue. He took one sip and he's like, oh my gosh, that's the biggest strawberry I've ever gotten. So Grace is like sitting back there so sad that she had this little, and I thought, you know what, Grace, you didn't want to share and that's the consequence. So then the next week we had somebody in the car, so three kids, it happened to be the Wagners, and Cade was like, I was going in to get two water bottles in my house because I had six kids, my three and her, three of hers. And so Cade goes, I said, I'm going in to get two water bottles because they're like, we're thirsty. And so I come back and Cade's like, I don't like to share. And Gracie turned around and goes, I would not say that to my mom. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? She got it. It was like she knew she could count on me. I was going to be if she, that was fine. That was her choice. But if I said it, then I meant it. And so that's the way I think we just got to be with our kids because it's not the severity of the correction even when they're in high school or whatever it's the certainty when you go to the water fountain you expect to get water when you say you're grounded you're grounded end of story and it's not you don't want to be so hard-nosed you know that's your time that you got to be light-hearted you got to love on them you've got to welcome them you've got to hug them you know welcome I mean they've just got to understand that that's you're not it's, it's unconditional love walked up in their room yeah. No, you 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 encourage them to get down. I mean, your home is inviting, and you you know they want to come down and enjoy. I mean, so you know those teenage temper tantrums, those turn into adult temper tantrums. If you don't handle it, you know, at 17, then at 27, they're still having them when they you know get in trouble on a job. Well, I'm quitting, and that kind of thing. So you know, really, uh, a lot of their behavior, if you think about it, you know, they've been at uh, all night 
camp out or something and they stayed up all night, a lot of the things they do disrespectful, if they're snippy with you or curt with you or whatever, it's understandable, but it's never acceptable. Because, you know, there's a lot of times I feel bad and I don't, I'm not in a good mood. And I'm telling you, I love when my kids call me on it. I mean, I was taking Sally to a volleyball lesson. Uh, it's been this past year. And she said, Mom, um, what are we having for dinner? And I said, I don't even know if we're going to eat dinner. And I'm in traffic and I'm struggling. And then she goes, well, um, did you have a bad day today? And I said, I certainly did. I worked all day and I didn't know. And I'm just unloading on her. And so when she gets to the volleyball thing, I said, you go on in. Here's your money. And I'm going to sit out here and pray. Well, my nine-year-old comes up and she goes, Mom, can I pray with you? And I said, that'd just be great. And then she goes, Mom, can I pray for you? I said, that'd be better. So I'm like sitting there holding her little hands, and she goes, Dear Heavenly Father, my mom is so twerked off today. Would you please help her attitude, and would you please let us be able to have something for dinner tonight? And I looked at her. I got down. I looked at her in the face, and I said, Thank you for loving me enough. I don't want to be that mom. So I walked right in there, and I got Gracie out of her volleyball, I mean Sally out of her volleyball lesson, and I said, Will you forgive me? That's not the mom I want to be. And hold my feet to the fire at every turn because I don't want to be that person. And getting ready for this this week has been, I've had a lot of stuff on my plate. And I yelled at Gracie the other night. And I came up those stairs and she said, oh, Mom, you're so stressed out. She said, this thing at Watermark and Sally's volleyball. She rattled off the list. And I said, Gracie, thank you for loving me. I don't want to be there. And I said, thank you for loving me. I looked her in the eye and I said, will you please forgive me? Yes, ma'am. I said, let's work together because I thought I had a, I had a, I re, had to reboot. I had to restart my computer because it was not. But God has chosen. Okay, Blaine does not like this analogy about the basketball. If you're handed a basketball, attempt to score. The reason I say that is none of, some of us don't play basketball. But there's a lot of parents and teachers and other people out there that love you. And, and so when you, they come to you and say, your child was disrespectful, your child did this, don't say, you know, in your mind, you're, our first inclination is always to get defensive. We always want to say, I mean, I've had a child when I taught Sunday school spit in my face. And when the teacher, came, when the parents came to pick him up, they said, um, your son's spit in Mrs. Hill's face. Oh, you know, they hand the basketball back. Oh, we've been having trouble with that. Never came to me to, to have him apologize. Never did anything. And so you know, five years later, I see the girl and I'm like, oh, are you still at, you know, teaching in the class? She says, yeah, I still have one big troublemaker. And I was like, I wonder who. And then she said his name. And I thought, doesn't surprise me. When you don't handle those things, when people love you enough, it's not always fun to do that. I mean, I had a teacher call me last year, two years ago, on the, at the, uh, that said Sally was talking in class. And my first thing was, oh, great. I'm sure all the kids talk in class. But I, I kind of, you know, set up and I thought, thank you for loving us enough. And so I said, keep me posted. We'll do our end. We grounded her. And that's when we went to dinner, when we went to the soccer game. Because you said we didn't do anything. But I said, we went, I asked Sally. And she goes, no, Mom, remember y'all went to my soccer game because they were playing just a fun kind of co-ed. And then I went to dinner with all of y'all down at, um, in uh, Lakewood with all the parents. All the kids went off and had dinner, and there was Sally with us and all the other parents. So, and she had a ball. She was getting filled up just chatting with all of us, and she had fun with it. So don't be defensive if somebody loves you enough. Accept that. Because God has chosen suffering as a way to perfect his children, and don't deny your children this grace. Um, consequences are essential. I mean, in Psalm 127, it just talks about it, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And where you throw them, in the direction you throw them, that's where they're going to go. So watch out, because wherever you're aiming, that's where they're going to go. 
Okay, attitude. I'm going to try to just go through this really quick. Attitude and anger. I'm telling you, the heart of the issue, since I've started really focusing on this for about the last five years with my kids, it has been a major change in our home. Attitude is... I mean, uh, the heart of the issue is always about the heart. When your kids talk to you curtly or when my son says something to me that just sounds curt, I'm always like, excuse me, but is that the right tone of voice with me? I just pray that my ears will not become immune. If if one of the kids is talking to Blaine in a curt or snippy voice, I'm always like, Blaine, is that the way you talk to your dad? I never say, honey, are you going to let him talk to you that way? I always put it back on the child because the heart of the issue. The other day we had an issue with... Blaine's hair. He came down to go to church, and Blaine was like, go comb your hair. And so, you know, he, Blaine, he went and combed it. He goes, Blaine, that does not look good. You know, that's not the way you need to comb it. Let me comb it. Blaine's going into seventh grade. So Blaine, we're taking two cars. He kind of slams the front door, and I thought, so when we got to church, I leaned over, and I said, hey, you know what? We know how cute, how handsome he is with his hair combed over. I would just rather him not get it combed over. It's fine the way it is. You need to handle the heart of the issue, but your heart, when you left, was clouded. And he goes, I was just making sure the door got shut. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> you do a heart check. But it made for some good conversation at the day, at lunch that day, just about, you know, the heart of the issue. His heart was clouded because of his hair. Yeah, we need to handle the, the heart issue. But from now on about his hair, seventh grade, let him, if he wants to wear it in a ponytail, I mean, appear like, I don't, it just let it go. Because it's not... You always have to handle it if they're disrespectful because you, you send a message right there that you're just letting things go. Okay, attitude. Half full or half empty. You've got to see it and be it. You've got to be positive in your home. Um, pray about that. I mean, create in me a pure heart, O Lord. I mean, when I feel overwhelmed, I really have to pray that God will just change my heart. That I mean, because it usually it's just like me being stressed or overwhelmed or something like that. I heard this a long time ago. Solitude, if you will spend that solitude with God, He will certainly turn your heart to gratitude. He will change your attitude, and that will lift you to a different altitude. And in Mark 135, Jesus went out early in the morning to pray. I mean, even Jesus, who was blameless and perfect, He knew His need to be refueled by the Savior. And so we need to recognize that too. Obedience, I mean, you can just kind of, I put this all in here just because I think it's important just to realize that obedience, your kids, you know, doing what I'm told, when I'm told, with a cheerful attitude. Do all things without murmuring and complaining or, or arguing and complaining. I mean, really, when your kids are arguing and complaining, bring that verse back to them. Hey, you need to obey me. You know, I said to do this. You need to doing what I'm told when I'm told with a cheerful attitude. Because I will tell you guys, anger is the real deal killer. If you let anger invade your home, it is a deal killer. If you're overwhelmed, I mean, I always bring it back to me. If there's anger in our home, it's back to me. I'm overcommitted. I'm overwhelmed. I didn't sleep well. It's something that I've done. Because what they see in you is what you're going to get back. It's just that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, that a little bit. I think one thing too with teenagers. Um, I sat in an earlier class where somebody was asking about friends that you don't want your kids hanging out with, and what do you do? And I think if you start to see that in your home, if you start to see your kids gravitating towards those girls you know that are catty, and you know, don't just go. No, don't. I, you can't hang out with them. They're evil. You wouldn't say that. But, you know, stop and say, hey, how come you want to hang out with them? What's, what is it about them that you like? 
Um, because generally those kinds of things, a kid that comes home and he's just angry or she's she's frustrated and she says, you know, what's going on? What she said earlier is true. Shepherd that heart. Um, yes, deal with the behavior. It's not okay to be disrespectful to mom and dad. There's something going on in the heart and generally with girls, as she said earlier, it's rooted in insecurity. Um, something happened. Somebody talked to them a certain way. Somebody treated them a certain way. Um, they're not included in this friend circle they want to be in. Or, you know, somebody started a rumor about them. Um, you know, those are those are flags a lot of times. But there's something happening in that heart that you get an opportunity to shepherd. And I see that as an opportunity. I see it as such a privilege. But like you said that was so good is that asking the, in the, making them think like a Christian. Don't say, you do not hang out with those girls. That is not. But say, what do you like about them? What do you see? Do you see godly character traits in them? I mean, what do you see? How do they make you feel? Ask them questions. And then you can interject scripture. You can just, you know, encourage them and love on them through God's word and just be positive. So, I mean, I definitely think it's putting those questions back on them. Because I will tell you, you don't want to become hard-hearted toward the, toward the disobedient child. A lot of times when you have several children, there's that one that's just going through that phase that you just like, oh, you know, just, you know, we're just not meshing right now. Well, you know what? Pursue them. Fixate your eyes on them and get into their world. Because I tell you, if you really love them and have that relationship um, you can overcome that hard-heartedness and change their heart. Okay, I'm just going to blow through these notable facts. Body development and body image. Um, in the late 1800s, the <clears throat> Mira began to play a critical role in the way women dressed and how they saw their faces and their figures. Character in the 19th century was built on virtues over vanity. Um, self-control, service to others, and belief in God. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. <clears throat> God's standard for beauty is the only standard that matters. And in 1 Samuel 16.7, I put all those on the back page, it just really talks about don't worry about the height or the you know anything about them. What happens is it's not their appearance. God only cares about the heart. That's, what, that's his you know, litmus test. Because it, it shocked me. This book by Vicki Courtney, Five Conversations You'll Have with Your Daughter, 53% of girls are unhappy with their bodies. By 17, 78 are dissatisfied. And then you've got the late bloomers versus the early bloomers. If you've got a daughter that's, you know, bloomed early, really watch how they're dressing and that kind of thing. You know, don't allow them to go out of the house with you know, revealing stuff because it just draws attention from older guys. And those are discussions you've got. Those are ongoing discussions that you need to have with them. I think these were great tips to help your daughter have a positive body image. I see so much. You, a dad, you've got to get, tell your daughter how beautiful she is and attractive, but you've got to emphasize the beauty of her heart. Mothers have a clear impact on their daughter's body, body image. Um, you know, I tell you, I see so much of the anorexic and the bulimic, and I did a case study on that when I was in dental hygiene school. I went over and just kind of observed, and it's, it's, it's even gotten worse, but back then it was just so interesting to see the difference between the anorexics and the bulimics. Um, and they, they just, the, the anorexics just don't see their body as it really is. And I think we as mothers, we got to be careful. What, what, what lie are we telling them? Oh, I feel so fat in this today. I mean, oh, I was going to wear that, but it just doesn't look good. I don't, you know, we're sending them, we're writing a script for them on how we feel about our bodies. 
And so we have got to be careful what we say. We've got to make the focus. I mean, I've got a daughter that's not a skinny mini. And I'll tell you, I mean, she's tall. She's five ten and a half. And I've never really had the conversation about one pieces versus two pieces. Because Sally just never really was that kid. I mean, she does wear two pieces, but she always has shorts over it on, on some occasions. But I was really just heart sick that I've even allowed her to wear a two-piece almost, even though she wore shorts over it. Because I had a girl ask me, she goes, you know, I got the weirdest phone call. She goes, I was having a party at my house, and I have two boys. And she said, the mother said, um, no, the kids um, need to wear one, the girls need to wear one pieces or two pieces. And I thought, for a mother to ask that, I almost applaud her. But then I think, to, why do you put on a different hat? Oh, well, if we have to wear one piece here. Oh, we're going to a church function, so we need to wear one piece. But over here, you can wear two-piece. And now that I have a young son coming up, I'm appalled at what these girls are wearing. And we're letting them walk out of the house like that. And I'm thinking, it's not fair. Now I'm looking at it from a different perspective. It was just Sally was just never that body type that was just so, she's just a bigger girl. And so it just didn't really dawn on me. But now that I see that, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I've been so neglectful. And the other night, Sally went to a party. We've had this discussion. And I didn't say, it's hard to say don't wear one piece, I mean, a two-piece anymore. But she went to a party with her high school friends, and I was unloading. They didn't swim, but I was unloading. I said, Sally, I noticed you had two pieces in your bag. She goes, yeah, I just thought I'd wear two pieces. I mean, one piece. She said, I thought I'd wear one piece instead. And I thought, you know what, Sally, I'm so proud of you. That, I mean, just to go back on that. She goes, yeah, Kristen and I just said we'd wear one piece. It's just kind of to, and I don't know what her heart behind that was, but I just said, I'm so proud of you. Now, Gracie, now, she, she's heard me talk about this. She's like, I don't want to wear that because, Mom, is this inappropriate? Everything comes, is this inappropriate? I'm like, no, Gracie, those are shorts down to your knee. It's perfect. But, you know, she's so conscientious. So, and don't, don't do statements tongue-in-cheek. You know, do you really need that? How many calories are in that? It's bathing suit season. You know, we, we send a message to them, and we cannot buy into the lies that the world is telling our kids. You know, we used to think that alcohol, drugs, and sex were the only toxic culprits. When I was growing up, it was the hoodlums that did the drugs and all that. And now that is, you know, the cool kids and the popular kids are doing the drugs and stuff. But the real home invaders, guys, are the magazines, the music that we let our kids listen to, the TV, the movies, the Internet, the MTV, the VH1. Those are three websites that you can go to check out. The fashion, Victoria's Secrets now has a teen line, you know, the airbrushed images. We kind of see it, you know, aging is a natural process. But, you know, everybody looks so good. and that, You know, it just, we've got to slow down. We've got to keep our girls, we've got to put up speed bumps. This texting, we didn't, our kids didn't, I mean, our daughter did not get a cell phone until she was 15. It's just something we were, we just didn't. You didn't think she needed it. I mean, I was just going to trust that she, I was available, and I was going to trust that, that most of mothers worked and that somebody would let her borrow a cell phone. I didn't feel that justification. Oh, well, now that they're in junior high, I just feel more safe that they have a cell phone. We just didn't feel like, because with that comes so much pressure, the texting and all that stuff. And we just, you know, I told my son the other day, I said, we're just not going to, don't even ask about a cell phone because he said, all my friends are getting cell phones. I said, well, honey, you know our rule on that. He's fine with it. We just don't, I said, honey, more than anything, we don't want the pressure on you, you know, to feel like that. So there's just a lot of stuff. The other day, Gracie said, Mom, is this okay what I'm wearing? And I said, well, honey, I've always told Sally, strive for elegance. Just strive, if you think it's elegant, strive for elegance. 
And and the other day I just told Gracie, well, would you eat lunch with Jesus in that? And she's like, yes, ma'am. I said, it's perfect then. I mean, if that's your goal, if you just think about that, then it's appropriate. Um, you know, we have got to have the sex talk with our kids. You've got to have open lines of communication. You've got to have the relationship. Rules without relationship is going to be a rebellion. You've got to set up boundaries. I'm appalled to think that with, with your daughters, if you make a purity ring with them and a faith deal, 88% of girls break that purity pledge. Because it, those that are not afraid to walk the walk and are more concerned with pleasing God than pleasing others, those are the 16% that make it. Approximately 90% of young people will have sex before marriage. Train your girls. Tell them about the 5%. I mean, it's staggering. I mean, I was just sick at my stomach. <clears throat> In Proverbs 31.10, it says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Man, wouldn't you want to just tell it? Don't waste time. Tell your daughter that fact about, don't you want to be the 5%? I mean, that is just such a gift. And explain all the things. We've got to help them realize. You know, I once asked a mentor of mine, I said, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse all the time. She looked at me and she said, that is called rooting and grounding. So if you're playing the same song and dance, keep doing it. Root and ground. Make this an ongoing truth for them. God created sex for procreation and sexual pleasure between a husband and a wife. And you've got to help them see past that pleasure to weigh the consequences, the STDs, the abortions, the depression, the guilt and shame, the tattered relationship. I mean, when, when I started talking to Sally about all this stuff and kind of really expanding my conversation with her, I was saying, you know, Sally, I would just not even date guys that don't love the Lord. Sally really has never had a boyfriend. But I said, I wouldn't even date. She goes, oh, yeah, Lauren told me that the other day. She dated a guy. And so it just opened up conversation. So I know people are pouring into her about that, that very thing. If you've got, and, and the sad part about the sex is that when our, when our girls, most of sex in high school is unwanted. The girl feels like she's going to lose the guy or she feels like that's the only way. So most of it's unwanted. So if you can train your daughter that she can, you know, that she's empowered by that decision, that 5% to be that rare ruby jewel, then I think that in the back of her mind that she will, you know, stand firm. When you have a good plan, what you end up doing is planting in the hearts of your child. If you were going to go into a seed and feed store and you were going to think, what am I going to plant? You, the time is ticking. We, you've got to take advantage of this time. You've got truth. You've got generosity, hope, and there's scripture. I love in Second Corinthians, it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, and uh, whoever sows generously, oh, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You will, you know, it's you be patient because you reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow, and you reap more than you sow. If you plant a tomato seed, you don't just get a tomato; you get a tomato plant. If you plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. There's an abundance there. I would just tell y'all, be, you know, somebody your kids can count on. I tell you, when I was preparing for this, I told Blaine, I said, this has been on my heart, so I went back to listen to it. I found a, a quote, and, it's, and I'm just going to read it to you. And it's a, a, saw, a, a little deal that a dad wrote. It said, the little boy standing by the tree with my daughter and me at the end of that Thank God for Kids video will be 38 next month. He came to my house Sunday, and I haven't seen him in two years and one month. I haven't seen my grandson longer than that. And as for my son, he doesn't, li- he doesn't really like his dad much anymore and hasn't for quite a while now. I've tried everything I know, every way I can to convince that boy how much he means to me. And I'm not giving up, but I'm afraid I've lost him. And along the way, I'm losing my daughter, too. She thinks that I care 
care too much about him. I used to buy my kids everything, give them anything they wanted, and deep down I was probably hoping that if I bought them enough and gave them enough, they wouldn't notice I wasn't there. And it's my fault because they're my children. It's a hard thing to learn that you're not half the father you thought you were. Nothing ever seems to be good enough for my son, though, and my daughter seems to always complain that I love him more. And it's my fault because they're my children. I think if my kids were to ever end up in a homeless shelter, living on the street and eating at that shelter, my son would be the one at the table complaining about the quality of the soup, and my daughter would be complaining that he had a bigger bowl than she did. And it's my fault because they're my children. That's Del Hansen. That's a guy that's looking back and saying, you know what? I didn't do it so hot. And he's, he's, and I've just been praying for him all week, just thinking that, you know what? I mean, live a no regrets life. I mean, I look back and I, I got this quote. It says, Jessica never tries to be sexy. She's just sexy. If you put her in a T-shirt or you just put her in a, I think, I think he's like a bustier or whatever, she's sexy in both. She's got double Ds and you can't cover those suckers up. That's Jessica Simpson's dad. He was a pastor. Do you think he's, he's selling his daughter out for what, you know? So I would just encourage y'all in my final thoughts. You know, you, I was going to just finish with one thing, too, about this week. And I told, you know, I don't even know if I have it handy, but on the volleyball thing, uh, Sally went on to join the JV. And she went on there and she said, Mom, I said, well, you're not going to quit, are you? She goes, no, Mom. She goes, those, those young girls need me. So... I got this, so I had all the volleyball, I got this call because I was a junior mom that these moms wanted to come over, that, that the coach was going to come and kind of give a, a volleyball meeting, our first official meeting. So I said, sure, y'all can come to my house. Well, at the very end, I just felt compelled because the coach, Sally loves the coach, and I just felt compelled to kind of encourage these moms and just say, you know what, I read a book once about walk-on, and it's just about a boy, Alan Williams, that, you know, he never really played that much, but he was an encourager. And if any of y'all have ever read that book or have the desire, it's a fabulous book that talks about about the right perspective on your children's sports. This is a kid who went on to, to for true greatness. And he played walk-on. I mean, he walked on the Wake Forest basketball team. But I just kind of encouraged him, and I didn't really think that much about it. I tried to, you know, encourage him spiritually and all that. Well, the next day, I get this, I, I, I get this te- email when I get home, and it says, Hi, Millie. I just wanted to tell you that a friend of mine was giving you and Sally some big compliments this morning. I always like to pass this stuff on. Her name is Carice Spot. She said that y'all, she was at your house for a volleyball meeting, and just that you were such a godly woman. She was so impressed that you were talking and quoting scripture and weaving your faith throughout the whole evening to these public school moms and girls. She was also impressed, and this is the important part, she was also impressed with Sally for just do, even doing JV. And she said that she had heard such great things about her. She's excited for the opportunity Sally has to mentor these girls and so on and so on and so on. Anyways, what great things for her to say. And I just wanted you to know, so keep up the good work, Lynn. P.S. I got your email address from the LHHS PTA list. I was at a meeting this week and they passed this list out, so I hope you don't mind me using this address. Well, here's my response to her. Dear Lynn, I want you to know that yesterday I was working and I went to go get something out of my purse. I was in a hurry and I heard my phone ring and I looked at the caller ID and I saw that it was you, but I didn't have time to answer. I was just so busy. I had patients waiting, and my boss was out of town. I was also organizing focus groups right now for Dwight, and my phone is packed with messages. When I got off at 2.52, I knew Sally was getting off volleyball at 3, and I just felt this overwhelming urgency that I needed to be there to pick her up that afternoon. Um, 
and I knew that Mary Kay Thomas was willing to take her home. I listened to all my messages on the way, frantically to see if I'd gotten one from you, but I'd not. By the time I got to school, I didn't have time to call you back, so I arrived at 3.03 and was waiting in the parking lot. Sharon Rush immediately came out and said, you better go inside, your daughter is bawling. Coach Cromdike, that Sally loved and was so excited to play for, quit today because of her back. Needless to say, it's been quite a week. The other two juniors assigned to the team quit too, and now, and now the coach in which she had so looked forward to playing for again was forced to step down due to a back injury. Brought to life is a phrase, it is better to stand alone and stand for what is right than to stand with the crowd. Reflecting back to my high school days, if I'd been in the same situation, I would have quit. I would have just thrown in the towel. My daughter was quick to remind me that she wasn't about to quit. These girls needed her, and she could not let them down. That's why your email was so timely. When I got home and received it, your words were exactly what we needed to hear so powerful. Thank you for taking the time to make this deposit, not only in Sally's, but my emotional tank as well. So many times we get information and we don't share it. Um, when it could be the very thing God is using to empower us to stick with something to carry on when things are not panning out the way we felt best. God used you and Carice Bott as a big instrument today in the life of a teenager and a mom just trying to find the words to encourage their daughter. I'm not sure if I had picked up the phone and passed on your words of encouragement that it would have had the same impact, powerful impact. So thank you for your persistence in even finding my email this is a lesson to me. If God places something on my heart, I better do my part to carry, to, to carry through, even if it means sometimes being inconvenienced. Thanks for loving us enough. Love, Millie. And I'm telling you guys, I, it was so great to call Sally over to the computer and say, do you see this? I mean, we have such an opportunity. And God gives us those opportunities. And that's what I'm talking about, that basketball. Lynn could have just tried to call my cell phone and just said, oh, she didn't answer. She could have left a message. But she was persistent in passing something on. And so I encourage you today, guys, if you see something good or something bad, somebody hands you that basketball, try to score. That impacted us. And I look back at that and I think that was God's orchestration. He worked out every detail on that. And so I'm going to rest in that. You know, I looked at that email. My first thought was, is this you again, Lord? Because it made a great thing. And I know, I see Sally, and you don't know the number of people that have walked up to her and said, Oh my gosh, Sally, you, I'm so proud of you for sticking with it. And she sees it as such an opportunity. It's going to be tough to be on JV when all your friends, but Sally is so much stronger than I would have been. So I just pray that if you can just take one nugget today, one little bitty thing, and it empowers you or changes what you're doing right now, you know, I just pray for y'all because I think it's just such an opportunity. I mean, I just, I, I never want it to end. I mean, I just feel so sad. I was listening to that song Cinderella by Michael W. Smith, and I couldn't listen to it all week without just bawling because you know what? The clock's about to strike midnight. So love them while you can. Y'all have any questions? And Dad, you got a tough wonderful job start up the treadmill I mean it might be like the Jets and stop this crazy thing <laughs> just have a good time with it loving your girls you did such a good job I feel horrible no I feel like a wretch no but I am inspired inspired wretch
much. Yeah, no. There's a lot of stuff that was thrown out. <laughs> you and I alone? No, no. But you know what? No. And, we, and, we, and we're still, we're making mistakes all the time. I don't, I don't want to ever think that, you know, we're doing everything right because we're not. No, we're, we're not. all the time. And, oh. and, and we're going to some of these things to, to get better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you just got to always sharpen yourself. I mean, I always tell Blaine, he doesn't, I mean, you know, really, it's like, I'm like, it's like a pencil sharpener. I know. It is like a pencil sharpener, though. It's like that grinding process, and you hear it, but then when you pull the pencil out, it's sharp. And sometimes, if you've ever put it to paper, it just splinters off. I mean, it's like, you know, sometimes, I mean, one day in Bible study, they said, what is God saying to you right right now? I'm like, back to the sharpener. I mean, and it's like, sometimes it's effective, but it eventually dulls. And I mean, I know when my kids are in that grinding process, I'm telling you, this week has been, I have been an emotional wreck because just watching Sally, you hate to see your kids' pain. But in the end of the story, last night I went into Sally and I said, Sally, people, and then my kids are quick to say, notice. Everybody's coming up her, to her and say, you know, oh, you know, Sally, I'm just so proud of you for sticking with it. So, I mean, it's just one of those things, don't feel reboot. I reboot almost every day. I really do. I mean, we have, you know, we have a lot of stuff. But I'll tell you, if you see, if you see somewhere, husbands, spouses, if you see somewhere where you know your daughter gets filled up, I like to go to bed early. But I know Sally. I always tell Blaine, I'm like, okay, last night, did you see how Sally was getting filled up? I mean, I'm sitting on the kitchen countertop. She backs into me. He's making lunches. And I'm playing with her hair. And we're laughing and just talking about old times. And I'm like, we've got to be more intentional. Sally is getting filled up right there. And so I just challenge y'all, when you see where your child really is, speaks volumes to her, recreate that because you can do it. I would, I would just say one last thing, I think, to encourage you guys. Um, you know, I'm not a parent, and so you probably are looking at me going, Mel, really? <laughs> um, but I do see a lot of you guys, and I do see a lot of your kids over the last uh, almost eight years. I can't believe it. Um, and I would just say, man, don't don't give up and don't, you know, kick yourself in the shin because, oh, dang it, I, I did say something to my daughter about what she's eating or, you know, I, you know, my husband and I did have a fight in front of each other and it was a big, terrible one and, you know, now my daughter's, you know, hiding from us and it's okay. I mean, we get, that's what's beautiful about being children of the Lord is that we get to start over new every day. And... Um, and you've got people in your lives, I hope, I hope all of you are in community where there are other parents that are helping you come alongside you and are going, oh, you can do this. You know, the, one of the things, the, the family that I told you about where the dad was struggling with helping his daughter, and, I mean, they have a lot of children. And, and I just said, you know what? you've got a whole new thing, not only just having a daughter in the home. I mean, your house is a little bit of a three-ring circus, you know? And and so you need to get with people who have big families, too, and y'all talk about it. If you don't have people in your life, you may have a prodigal. God bless any of you if you do. I was a prodigal. It's okay. <laughs> God can redeem it. There's heaven. Um, man, there are people in this church who have, who have spent time coming up with how to love a prodigal, you know, and so I would just, that would be my final word, um, just from the student ministry perspective, is don't do it alone. Don't try and go it alone. 
know that there are people out there who love you and want to help you as you try and love your kids. And, and I would encourage y'all to look at your life. Go home and sit down and figure out if I'm stressed out, where reprioritize. I mean, I'm one of those, and I mean, I hate to say this because I went to school uh, with Stacy. I mean, our kids did. I'm not a big volunteer at school. I mean, I felt like my job was in the home, and I probably got a bad reputation because I didn't do the option. I didn't do the, but, you know, my mission field was right at home. Now that my kids are older, I mean, I do building blocks, I do other things, and I feel great about that. But, you know, I, I saw the pressure cooker. I saw my friend. I, I finally told her, quit wearing deodorant. Put your arm down. I mean, she volunteered for everything. And then who paid for it but her kids? When, we, when my kids were little, and this, I keep this picture. It was very meaningful to me. I went to go take a Christmas card picture. He was not with me. And so I got three pictures taken because I was holding Gracie, and we were trying to reposition because she was crying, and I fell in this little creek on a mossy thing, a mossy rock. So it was a Chinese split. And so great. Sally goes, does this mean we're not taking any more pictures? I said, get in the car. So when I got the pictures back, I was a perfectionist. When you know, I liked the perfect little picture, all the hair done. Perfect little Christmas card. So here was our Christmas card that year. And it said, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with us. And this picture has gone on to be the love of my because it means it's okay, guys. You can, I love her face and I love his face. This is not going well. My mom is not going to be happy. But I would encourage y'all that, you know, there, and I've heard more people say, we had that picture. Why didn't we send it out? There's muddy water, but don't be afraid to say, you know, hey, we're working on it. Our life isn't perfect. My kids do things. I welcome those things. Don't be afraid of a teachable moment. I don't want perfect kids. Because you've got to be able to handle that stuff. I mean, I get, believe me, I get called all the time. I mean, you know, for this or that. I just got a call about Sally recently, just doing a crazy thing. But I told my mother, thank you for loving me enough. Her son did not want her to call. The girls were doing something silly. But I said, thank you for loving us enough. And I went up to her son and said, thank you for letting your mom love us enough. I wasn't mad. So I just encourage you. You know, we all have this picture. Don't be afraid to show it. We don't have to be perfect. It's okay. So I just love this. I mean, it kind of just speaks volumes about hearing things, you know? Hey, guys. It's, um, I know we've kind of gone run over. over. I'm sorry. And, but I know that it would really bless family ministry. It would go off with evaluation.